Thank you, choir. I appreciate that. I don't mean to brag, but when I was younger, I was really, really, really good at being a Christian. I mean, I had this Christian thing down pretty much. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, but I had it all figured out because I figured it out as first, go to church. That's important. That's a big one. Go to church. And Sunday mornings, I went to church. I was there every Sunday morning. Sunday nights, I was at church. Wednesday nights, youth group, I was there every Wednesday night. Random Tuesday afternoons, you can ask my youth pastor. I was there. Going to church was important. I I knew that one. Uh, Secondly, read your Bible. That's an important one. That's a big one, too. I knew that in order to be an awesome Christian, I needed to read my Bible. And so uh, every day I had this little devotion booklet, and I would read through, and I was so devoted, I even did the little questions at the end uh, because I was an awesome Christian. If I missed a day, I would do two the next day to make sure I caught up. I did it all. I set up. I cleaned up. I even let other people go in front of me in line at the church potluck, even when I knew that the good chicken was that first bowl, because it was really Bojangles chicken, but whoever bought it tried to put it in their own bowl to make sure, like, make it look like they had made it. I know that you guys do that. We, we know that. But I knew that that was, but I'll still go right ahead, sir. You go get the good, the good chicken. Because after all, what would Jesus do? That's something Jesus would do, I think. I did it all. I had it all down. Until one day. One day, uh, we were going on a youth outing, and our pastor's daughter invited a friend. And, and this girl came, and I thought, well, I am the perfect example of a godly young man. This young lady will, you know, won't be able to help talking to me. And we got into a conversation, and about 30 seconds in, she asked me a question. How many people have you led to Christ? I'm sorry, what? How many people have you told about Jesus? Well, well don't you mean how, how, many, how often am I at church? Because that's, that's always. I'm always at church. Or in, how often I read my Bible? Because I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible all the time. And I thought about it, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't really tell people about this. I just kind of do what I'm supposed to do over here. And so I had to answer us, zero. And she just kind of looked at me and with a little chuckle and a little smirk gave me this look that said, <laughs> don't worry, you'll get there one day. You'll, you'll, you'll be a good Christian yet. And I remember uh, that day thinking, what is this new metric? Is this a new metric that we're going by? Is this a new standard that, that we're, we're supposed to be counting how many people we lead to Christ? I mean, I thought I had it all figured out. I knew church and, and read my Bible and service projects. I did all of those things. What, what, what is this new metric? And so I did what any good Christian did when they had no idea what they were doing. I opened my Bible. I said, okay, well, surely if this is an important thing in Scripture, if important thing in Christian life, it'll be in Scripture. So I opened up and I actually stumbled across that verse that Dave read for you just a little bit ago. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Well, that, that seems pretty, pretty clear, actually. But you know what? Jesus said that. And we would expect Jesus to say something like that. I mean, he's the Son of God. We expect him to say, you know what? Go and tell people. So 
Um, so I, I kind of expect that of him. But what about Paul? Paul really was the guy who was instrumental in starting the church and getting the church going. Let's see what he has to say. In First Peter, he says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So always be prepared to give an answer. Or 2 Timothy 4, 5, he says, But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of your ministry. Hmm. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. Apparently, this whole thing is about telling other people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And, you know, at some point in my, in my young career, I even, I, I had the idea that it was just about church attendance or just about reading my Bible. I was, I actually held the record at my church for most consecutive Sundays, attended 104 consecutive Sundays that I went. And I realized, you know what, maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's not just about going to church. Maybe it's not just about reading my Bible. And at that time, some words from my youth pastor kind of popped up in my memory. I kind of vaguely remember him talking about something about sharing your faith with people. Apparently, my church attendance was a lot better than my church attention. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to be an awesome Christian again, I'm going to have to get on board and just go tell as many people as possible about Jesus. That's what I have to do. And so I kind of graduated high school and went on to college, and I was part of this ministry there, and we had this method of evangelizing or telling people about Jesus. And it, we would go up to people in the cafeteria at, uh, at Appalachian State, and two or three of us go, and we'd sit down with them, and we would start by asking them a, uh, a very welcoming and open question. Usually it was something like, if you were to die tonight, how sure would you be that you would go to heaven? Now, I don't know if you know this, that is not the most welcoming introduction to a person. That's what we did, though. And I remember learning a couple of things from those experiences. Is number one, that method for evangelism or for telling people about Jesus is absolute torture for people who are introverted. I am introverted. Most of the church staff are introverted. The thing we don't want to do is go talk to someone we don't know in a strange place. And that's exactly what this uh, form of evangelism was. It was go talk to someone you don't know, talk about something that is personal and awkward sometimes. The second thing I learned is people don't like when you interrupt their lunch. That's a valuable life lesson that I learned. They don't like it if you're interrupting their lunch, especially football players. Football players really don't like that. And so... This launched me into a dilemma. According to Scripture, telling people about Jesus was really, really important. But on the other hand, every way that I knew how to do it, it uh, turned people off. It made people mad at us that, that, you know, how dare you interrupt me? So what do I do? It's important. And it it got this question inside me. What, What should I do? What is the best way to tell people about Jesus. And I admit that uh, most of that story that I just told you is true. Some of, it were, some of it was exaggerated a little bit, but it raises an important question for all of us today. What should our role in evangelism be? When it comes to telling people about Jesus Christ and what he has done, 
What, what is our role? How should we go about it? Back in the day, over the years, there's been a number of different ways. Back in the day, uh, there was something called door-to-door. And um, show of hands, how many people have done door-to-door evangelism over the years? A couple, a few of you. That was where you, you got into a neighborhood and you just, you, you, pick, uh, you pick a side of the street and you go down. Back in the day, it was a little easier to do this because uh, you'd go up to someone's door and, and way back, you know, 40s, 50s, you know, early 60s, you could get invited in for a cup of coffee, some tea maybe, maybe even if you have a gracious house, some dinner, and they would say, what what do you know, what can we do? Now, fast forward a couple of decades, when I was growing up, if I saw someone walking down my driveway with a Bible in hand, what, what was I doing? Get down, turn off the lights, we're not, don't make any noise, shh. Maybe they'll just go away. And that's what it was. It was, it was no longer easy. And so door-to-door um, was, was not as effective when I was, was a kid. Um, culturally, it's also really, uh, it's become more difficult to speak about our faith in public. Today, it's not as socially acceptable to talk about Jesus in the public square, And so it makes it harder for us to have that conversation. It makes it a little bit more awkward for us. Uh, And so sometimes we do do the exact opposite than door-to-door. We just say, I don't want to have to talk about Jesus, so I'm just going to do really nice things for people, and hopefully Jesus will kind of just waft or uh, rub off on them. So I'm going to go rake your yard. I'm going to rake your yard, and maybe you'll just know that I'm doing this because God loves you. Or I'm going to hold this door open for you, and maybe as you walk by, you can get a whiff of Jesus as you walk by. And maybe you'll, maybe you'll come to know Christ through that one action. But we're still too timid to talk about it. So we do the next best thing. The next best thing is we invite them to church. I don't really like talking about Jesus to my neighbors and to my friends. Wait, that's what we pay that guy for. We pay him to tell us about Jesus. Hey, won't you come to church with me? We got this guy there, and he'll talk about Jesus all day long. And we invite them in. Now, don't get me wrong. We want you to invite people to church. Uh, we, we want you to do that. We encourage you to do that. But we don't necessarily want you to do that so that you don't have a conversation with them. Um, we will stand up here and talk about Jesus all day long. It's actually a, a passion for us. But either there's the door-to-door. There's the, I could just do nice things. Or, hey, you know, we'll bring them to church, and we'll let uh, Pastor Bob or, or John or Amanda or Matthew or Philip, we'll, we'll, we'll let them do the dirty work. And so we find ourselves stuck in this situation. Which one of these things do we do? None of them seem like a great option. None of them seem to be what Scripture is saying. Well, maybe, maybe the Bible has a little more. And that's where we jump into the book of Colossians in chapter 4. Now, just so you know, Paul is writing Colossians to a church that had been struggling with some bad theology. They had some people there that were teaching some not good stuff. They had some people who were saying, um, you know what? Uh, first, you need to be a Jewish person. Then you can become a Christian. Or they had some people who had some Greek ties who said, well, we like this, this thing called Stoicism. We want that to be a part of Christianity. And there are some people that scholars think they were worshiping angels. And, and so Paul's writing, he's like, no, no, it, you don't have to be Jewish. It's all about Christ. No, and no, it's not about Greek thought. It's about Christ. No, it's not about worshiping angels. 
You guessed it, it's about Christ. And so that's what the, the book of Colossians are. And then at chapter 4, where we're going to start reading, he makes the turn towards the end of the letter. And we know that, um, we know that letters are um, just personal ways of talking. And we know that the end, oftentimes in the end of letters, Paul would say really, really important things. And so he's taking everything he's talked about and kind of crunching it up into one final statement. And that's when he says in verse 2 of chapter 4, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul's wrapping up this letter, and he says, first off, be prayerful and be watchful. And then he does something interesting. He stops talking about the Colossians, and he turns the focus instead on himself, which is interesting in a letter that he's writing to someone else. And he says, pray for us that God will open some doors and that we will be able to walk through those doors boldly and proclaim the name of Jesus. Now, this is interesting because Paul is writing this letter from a Roman jail. He's in jail. And the reason he's in jail is because he was preaching the gospel. He was telling people about Jesus in Jerusalem. And they didn't like that, and they rallied him up, and they put him before the magistrate in Jerusalem. And through a number of different circumstances, he ends up in Rome to appeal his case to Caesar himself. So Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel. And the one thing that he is asking prayer for is for opportunities to preach the gospel, the very thing that got him in jail in the first place. That is so interesting. If, if there's ever an example in the Bible of someone living out their call, it's Paul in this moment. And it brings us to ask, what do we take away from this passage? And we take away that we must humbly accept our responsibility to share the gospel with others. We must humbly accept our responsibility to share gospel with the others. Scripture has been clear so far that this is something that God is calling us to do. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in the other things, the, the coming to church, the Wednesday nights, the, the reading the Bible, that we forget that we are called to tell people about Jesus Christ. We must humbly accept to tell them about the gospel, not just invite them to church, not do nice things for them, but actively speak to them about Christ. But John, that is so hard. It's awkward. I don't really know what to say. Yep, same here, and I'm a pastor. But that's what we're called to do. It's our responsibility. But good news is that Paul doesn't stop that passage there. He keeps going. In verse 5, he says, "'Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders.'" Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul gives us instructions to be wise in the way that that we act towards outsiders. Now, outsiders is not a phrase that we would use today. That would not be um, very PC or appropriate. But what he's talking about is people outside the faith, people who don't know Jesus. You know, for us... um, Paul is instructing us to be wise in the way you act to outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In other words, be kind to those who don't know Christ. Love them. Help them. Be involved in their lives. Be active in their lives. 
Paul enters into the lives of every person, every group of people that he ministers to. When he starts a church, he stays in that area and he lives among the people. He goes through their joys. He goes through their sorrows. He lives among, he doesn't just walk in and say, oh, hey, here, here's a four-step plan to, to, to know Jesus. Good luck. We love you. Peace. That's, I don't know if Paul would say peace. That doesn't sound like him. But in other words, Paul would be active in the lives of people. He, the goal was to share Jesus Christ, but he did that through loving and caring for the people. One of the saddest things that I see today is that based on what I see on, on Facebook or on social media or on the news, based on what I see there, we as Christians are so busy distancing ourselves from the outsiders that I don't even, it doesn't even occur to us that these are the people that we're supposed to share Christ with. We're so busy saying, I, I can't even be in the same room or have a conversation with you that we forget that this is our job is to love them and, and to care for them and to speak truth into their lives. And so we're not even, we're not even getting a chance to share. And I, I say that because this is something that God has convicted me of. And, and I pray that if, if that's something that maybe you've struggled with, that you can go before God and, 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 and ask, ask Him to help you through that. We're called to bring the gospel to those who are different than us. Paul was active in their lives. We need to be active in the lives of the people around us. Our family members, our friends, our neighbors, um, our neighborhoods, our coworkers, and you might think, John, that's still it's still hard. I don't know how how to go about bringing Jesus up. Well, I have three stories that I want to share with you. Three stories that can change the world and change how you relate to the people around you and how you can share Jesus. And it's three stories that you need to know. First, you need to know God's story. You need to know God's story. A lot of you know uh, that recently, a couple months ago, my grandmother died. She was 102 years old, just shy of her 103rd birthday. Uh, She passed away, a great woman of God. And she was, um, after after she went on to be with God, uh, our family said, okay, grandkids, you can choose one thing. To, to, of Granny's, and, and that maybe you can remember her by. And there was only one thing that I wanted. I talked to my mom, and she checked into it, and, and that is this right here. This is this is my Granny B's Bible. This thing is older than me. It's um, it's original King James, large print. It's 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 awesome. And I opened it up, and I started to look through it. And every verse, there's a dot or a dash, one or the other. And I realized that. I think what Granny B was doing is that she would read a passage. She was an old Genesis to Revelation, just go straight through and plug through. And she would, whenever she finished a section or a verse, she would mark it, and then she knew where to start. I think that's what she was doing. But every single verse in this book is marked. And then you look, and there's some underlines. And then you look, and there's some circles, and there's some highlights, and there's some notes that I can't even read. You can look on the top up here, and it's hard to see, but there are paper towel bookmarks, and you look through this Bible, and you see where the Word of God spoke to my grandmother. She knew God's story. 
She knew it from Genesis where God created humans and, and created them in his image and how they turned their back on them and settled on him and settled for sin instead. And she knew through the Old Testament that God kept trying to bring them back in relationship with, um, with him. And, and she knew that ultimately Jesus came and God came as Jesus to die on the cross for her sins, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Granny B knew that, and that's something that she is experiencing right now. Know God's story. If we don't know God's story, we can't share God's story. And so I encourage you, grab a Bible, grab a devotion book, grab some helps. All of the pastors here can can help you find resources, but dive into this word and know God's story. God's story is the first story. The second story is your story. And you might think, well, John, I know my story, but do you? What has God done in your life? What has God done uh, to, to, to change your life? If someone were to come up to you today and say, okay, tell me about God. What has God done in your life? How would you answer them? And a lot of people don't know. They, they, they know in their hearts, but they don't know how to verbalize it. And I tell my students, I say, here's, here's the deal. So anyone who doesn't believe in God can argue that this book doesn't matter. You know, we believe it does. We believe that it's inspired word of God. But, you know, I say Jesus died for your sins. Well, why do you believe that? Well, it's right here in the Bible. Well, why should I believe the Bible? And, peop- and they will debate. I've had students, I've had adults, I've had college students debate with me on why I should trust this. But you know what they can't debate? What God has done in your life. I can, I can debate all day about, you know, why we should believe the Bible is the Word of God. But in a moment, I can say, you know what? When I was in high school, I experienced a time of sadness and frustration and anxiety, and I didn't know why. And I met God, and God told me that I was created in His image and that my value came from being created in His image, and that changed my life forever. And there's not a person in this world that can tell me otherwise, because I know that that's what God has done in my life. Know God's story, know your story. People can't debate what God has done in your life. Third, and, and possibly um, it, it's, not la- it's last but not least, but it is super important, learn their story. In your bulletin where the notes are, there's five blanks at the bottom down here. And while I'm talking about this, I want you to think, who are five people in your life that need to know about God's love? And if there aren't, if you can't think of five people, write down, where can I go to meet five people who need to know about God's love? So write those down. It's vitally important to learn other people's stories when telling them about Jesus. You know, it's my tendency, I know how important it is to tell people about Jesus. It's my tendency to jump in and, and just kind of jump the gun. It's like, hi, my name is John. How you, did you know that Jesus died for your sins? Which is still an awkward introduction of sorts. But I want to get it out there and I want to tell them it's my, you know, I, I want to jump the gun. But it takes time. Relationship takes time. Paul understood that it took time. He never shied away from the truth. He told it like it was but he knew that relationships took time. Get to know the people around you. What are their struggles? What are their joys? What are the things that they're interested in? What are the things that mean a lot to them? 
And as you do that, you pray what Paul was asking prayer for. Pray that God may open a door that you can talk about, talk about Christ. And sometimes that happens really quickly. Sometimes, I mean, I've, I've had it in that first conversation. Someone's like, well, hey, you're a preacher. Tell me about this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Be ready, like, like Paul said, be ready to give an answer for why you believe. I've had it where it takes years. I've had it where I've had relationship with someone and I would, would talk to them and build the relationship, and that friendship would move on. And six months later, they would come back to me and say, hey, you know what? I remember you talking about this. I, I have a question about God. Sometimes we think that we'll never see. I've had it where I've built into people, and then they go talk to someone else, and, they accept Christ, and they're like, oh, I accept Christ as soon as I started talking to the other person. But it's a lot of learning people's story and building into their story and, and working God. Now, there's a, there's a graphic I want to show you. This is, uh, it's actually called Three-Story Evangelism. It's a curriculum that I work with our students on. At the top is God's story. God's story is above everything. God's story is the most important thing. And as, after you accept Christ, you can see that my story intersects with God's story. More likely, God's story intersects with my story. And so, um, we start to, to kind of come together. And then there's their story, the people that we're talking to, the people that we're living life with. And as they get closer to your story, they have no choice but to get closer to God's story. And throughout this whole process, we're praying, God, give me a chance to share. Because when we know God's story and we know what God has done in our lives, it becomes less of a, I have to tell, I'm supposed to tell God's story. When we know what God's done in our life, it's a, I get to tell what God has done in my life. I get to share what Jesus did on the cross. And then it becomes less of an obligation and more of a joy for us to share the gospel with other people. This is, uh, it's not necessarily, an, it's an easy thing to look at and think, okay, well, that makes sense. It's much harder to practice. And I want to challenge you guys today to take some time, you know, figure out, do I know God's story? Do I know my story? Do I know what God's done in my life? Who are some people that I can share this with? And if you don't, I I was actually talking to someone after the first service. The food trucks, great place to get to know people who don't, we don't know if uh, people who come through here know Jesus. But it's a great place to sit down and have a meal and, and get to know people and just start that process. And it's not about numbers. It's not about Maybe, maybe this will make me the best Christian ever. No, it's, it's about we are called to do this, and we care about people enough to do it. And so I want to challenge you guys as, as we leave. It's not your job to convince people. That's God's job. It's your job just to tell them. So don't take that stress. Don't take that pressure. It takes a lot of pressure off to know. You know, the rest, the hard part is God's. Your job is just to open up and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Know God's story Know your story. Learn their story. Let's pray. God, thank you.